We do quilts of valor for servicemen. So they gave me a printout of questions to ask my dad. So I called him up and I asked him all these questions. Do you know I learned more about my dad in that 15 minutes than I had ever known about him? He'd never talked about his service in the Korean War to me. I mean, I just felt so thrilled that because of these quilts for veterans, I learned so much about my dad. Welcome to the Life Story Coach Podcast, where you'll hear interviews, tips, and advice on the craft and business of personal history and life story writing with your host, Amy Woods Butler. Hello, friends. This is Amy, and this is the show where we talk about growing our life story business. We help clients create books, videos, and audios, and more to share their life stories and their memories with their family and friends and with future generations. And today we have a very special guest. If you know anything about quilting, you probably recognize the name Jenny Doan. Jenny is the smiling face of Missouri Star Quilt Company, and she's produced hundreds of video tutorials, which, by the way, they've been viewed close to 150 million times, if if not even more by now. Um, And through these tutorials, which she's been making for several years, she has made quilting easy, and she's a very friendly face, and it doesn't seem like a scary thing to do to to make a quilt when you're watching these tutorials. And through these tutorials, she's really sparked this enthusiasm for quilting around the world. So Jenny, I am very happy to have you here. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. So listeners, they might be wondering, like, what does quilting have to do with creating life story projects? And honestly, I I probably would have thought that myself had I not seen you talk last year at a genealogy conference. And you gave the keynote speech. You had brought some quilts with you to talk about them. And it just, it kind of rocked my world. And it, it made me realize that, yes, of course, family history and quilting are very intimately connected. Um, they are real connected. Yeah. And I, I love the story that you shared about how how you got into it. I, I think you didn't even realize that you were quilting, you said, but your grandma who lived with you made the little squares. So can you start by telling us about that, just how you got interested in quilting? Oh, absolutely. So um, actually, uh, when I was doing the squares for my grandmother, she was an embroiderer. Um, I'm the first in two generations to sew in my family. And she embroidered things and on uh, squares of denim. And she uh, came one day and said, can you just sew these together and put a little back on it, you know, because I want to give them to Aunt Inge or whatever. And I, I was like, well, yeah, I guess so. And I didn't realize that what I was doing was making a quilt. Um, at the time, I had not quilted formally at all. And it wasn't until we moved to Missouri that I actually took up quilting because I used to do costuming for um, for musical theater mm. and uh, went right to the theater. They did not need me. And somebody said, well, if you need to sew that bad, maybe you should take a quilting class. And so that was my first intro into quilting was, was uh, taking that class. And I just totally, I was totally smitten by that. And what was it about it? Was it actually the, the handiwork what? of doing it or was it, did it go no, beyond no. that? Actually, it was the creative part of it. And so I've made some really amazing costumes in my day. But to actually um, have one block and know that if you turned it, you know, 20 different ways, you got 20 different looks. It was so incredibly creative to me. Uh, I just never, I'd never seen anything like it. And so 
um, it just became the creating part of that was really fun. And the the connections I learned much later, you know, at the in the meantime, you know, because because when people make quilts, generally they make quilts to keep people warm, you know, or that sort of thing. And you're not thinking about what happens to them or uh, or why you're doing it. You're just doing it to keep people warm. And so it was it was uh, all those connections came much later as I started watching what was happening in the quilting world. It's such a lovely thing. And, you know, the people that we work with, that life story writers or life story professionals work with, you know, very often we'll come across clients who have artifacts, actual physical artifacts that mean so much to them. And, um, and you know, we want to draw that into the stories. But, but quilts, I think, are just so special because they're very utilitarian. And in a, in a great way. I mean, they keep you warm. You wrap up in them, but they mean so much more than you know than just having something to be to keep you warm. You know, it, it well, means a quilt. In my mind, is right. It's a hearth and home and family and family history. Right. Yeah. Well, that was what was interesting when the Genealogical Society asked me to speak. Now, I've done genealogy for years, and my mom is a major genealogist, and. Um, and so I was familiar with that world, but now I'm in the quilting world and I'm doing quilting. And I think they actually thought maybe I was just a draw, you know, and they didn't, I don't think they real knew what I was going to speak about. And to be honest, I didn't either. And, uh, and it was like the very next day after they taught, after they asked me and I thought, yeah, I guess I can do that. And then I was like, what am I going to talk about with quilting? <laughs> and the very next day there, this, um, 80 some odd year old man came in and he just had this scrappy quilt and he told me the story of it and he told me how he had lived with his grandma and uh and that she had made them or clothing out of uh flower sacks and how all these flower sacks all the pieces went into these quilts and I mean the story just went on and on and I said can you just write all that down for me in an email well of course when you start to write it down it gets it gets bigger and you remember more and more details come into play. And so I got this amazing email from him that was all about his life story and how this quilt tied into it. And then a couple of days after that, somebody else came and they had this quilt and they wanted to tell me the story. And I'm like, well, this is what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about, I'm going to tell the story of these quilts. And then I started remembering that I had a quilt that I'd made for my grandma when she was 80. That was all the handprints of all her living relatives, you know, and she was the youngest of 13. So there were just hundreds of hand prints. And, um, and I remembered, then I remembered the little embroidery thing she had me do. And so I brought one of those quilts. I mean, it was just like, all of a sudden I had, had more than enough stuff to talk about. And it was actually really exciting for me because I didn't realize those two, uh, those two fields correlated as well as they did. But it that was pretty sweet. That was amazing. It was incredibly sweet. And I've heard you say before that every quilt has a story and every quilter has a story. So I'm guessing that's what you're talking about. You know, these these people that are... Actually, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, the, the whole story part of it came into play when um, uh, people started telling me, I made this quilt for, and this is what happened. And my son, I said to Alan, oh my gosh, listen to why this woman made this quilt. Because I was getting letters, you know, I'm reading these letters. And I'm like, every quilter has a story. And I think every quilt has a story. And so Alan actually put on his site, Alan is my son. And he put up on our site 
if you have a story you want to tell about your quilt, send us your story. And he wasn't very optimistic. And um, we didn't, he thought we'd get like 10. We got like thousands of people who wanted to share why they made their quilt, how it affected them, how it affected the person that they'd given it to. And, um, and so we started putting together these books called Stitch Together with Love. And I think we're on our third or fourth volume. And honestly, they could be much bigger. I mean, we're, we're picking stories, you know, out of the, out of the thousands we've received, we're just handpicking a few stories to put in these books. But um, I really believe that. And so we, what we've come to realize is that over 83% of quilts are given away. And that is a huge number of quilts to give away. And it's a huge number of things to sew just to give away. I had no idea that you were doing these books. So you are doing, you're helping people record life stories through these quilts. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I love to hear that. Yeah. So are there any that stick out in your mind? Oh, there's just hundreds. And um, I mean, you know, they'll make them for soldiers. They'll make them for... Uh, the coffin quilts is a big thing. You know, they make now. What is that? They make quilts for people who are sick. What is a coffin quilt? Well, in the old days, in the old days, they'd make these coffin quilts, and they were these long, skinny shaped quilts um, that would go over the top of a coffin and then inside the coffin. And so that's actually there's there's a big history about these old coffin quilts that um, I've just started getting into and reading. And so it's kind of fascinating, you know, to learn about those kink things because that's a part of actual history. You know, we don't do that too much anymore. I mean, sometimes people are buried with a quilt or something like that. But um, generally, you know, those memory quilts are the quilts that you hang on to so that you have a piece of your loved one close to you that is tangible. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's the lovely part about it because it is tangible and it is something that you literally wrap yourself up in. Um, mm-hmm. And so... When you talk about different kinds of quilts, and this this is something that I'm kind of interested in because with clients, you know, they'll have, they may have a quilt that is very meaningful for them, but I'm sure that if they knew just a little bit more about it, it would tell more of a story. So if you have a, for instance, if you have a very long skinny quilt, that may have been a coffin quilt. Um, Are there other types of quilts that are... One of my favorites is the crazy quilt. Um, I have one hanging in my studio right here, and it's just tons of scraps of fabric. And literally, these were put together out of pieces of clothing and just all kinds of any extra thing they had um, laying around. And remember, they they made their men's suits and pants. And so it's all types of different quilts and shapes and pieces. And they put them together and form blocks, and they're called crazy quilts. Now, there's there's different kinds of crazy quilts because some of them were made just to keep people warm. But um, a lot of the crazy quilts have um, um, embroidery on them. And the story is that, is that if your crazy quilt has embroidery on it, then it showed that you had a little more leisure time. You were a little better off because you could take time to actually add, add and embellish all these different designs to your quilt. And so that's that's kind of how that story goes with the with the crazy quilts, which I thought was kind of interesting because... Um, I have one that hangs in my office that was made in 1894. And uh, I actually tried a little bit to find out if I could find the woman who made it because her initials are on it. But when you're looking for initials, it's a total needle in a haystack, you know, even if you know the area, which I did. And so as I went searching, I'm just like, all right, I don't know if these are pre-marriage initials or after marriage initials or, you know, 
I didn't know at all what yeah. I was looking for. So that's that's not probably going to happen anytime. But when I talk about quilts, um, you know, when I give a lecture on quilts, one of the things I talk on is um, labeling them because I you know, I don't have any old quilts, so I call myself a quilt rescuer. And there are a lot of quilt rescuers out there. We find these beautiful old quilts and they come to live at our life. And that's one thing that's important to note is that quilting, the quilts you make, if you make a quilt today, it's going to outlive you by generations. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how good it is. It doesn't matter how perfect your points are. None of that matters. It, you just know it's going to outlive you by generations because our most precious commodities are these quilts that we have, these old, old quilts. And we wonder how to take care of them and how to get that spot out. And do we hang them? Do we fold them? Do we roll them? What do we do with them? And so um, I would love to find an old quilt that written on the back or embroidered on the front or anywhere said something like, this was made for Aunt Mary in 1930 for her wedding. You know, I mean, wouldn't you love to find a quilt that had just a tiny bit of history on it? And so when I talk to these women, I say, when you make a quilt today, make sure that that you have um, put on your quilt a label so that, you know, generations from now, when somebody finds it, um, it's it's going to it'll represent you. They'll know who made it. They'll know what the occasion was. You know, I mean, that to me is is keeping that history alive so that um, we have something to show for for what we've done all that time. Right. That's an excellent idea. I mean, I I counsel my clients all the time on their photos because usually people have, you know, some of them will have photo albums and they'll have names on it like grandma or, um, you know, Aunt Mary. But that doesn't mean anything once you get one or two further generations removed because, you know, who are, who's no, this referencing? Absolutely. And then most photos have no labels at all on them. So something that could have meant a lot to the person that took the photo or to, you know, maybe the, the kids who, who knew the story behind the photos, um, it means nothing if you don't take the time to actually put some labels on it, just like you're talking about with quilts. And That's quilts are just true. so much... Right. They're so much bigger and um, and they can have it can really I've seen this in my own family. I've seen this with clients. You know, it can have a really you can have a soft spot in your heart for a quilt. And I, I just I think it's I have to point out the fact that you um, you mentioned this very briefly. You did not sew um, or your your mom did not sew. Is that right? And your grandma no. did not sew and nobody quilted. And yet here you are. <laughs> Yeah. So my grandmother was the youngest of 13 and her sisters were fabulous seamstresses. But because grandma was the baby, they sewed for her. So she never learned to sew. She had two girls. My mom was one. They never learned to sew. But I was born with that sewing gene. You know, I was stapling things, taping things. You know, I, uh, you know, I mean, I was putting things together that, you know, I just had to, um, you know, I just had to put things together. And so that was that sewing gene where I was just making things and I didn't even, I didn't realize it was sewing because at the time I didn't have a sewing machine or needle and thread, but you know, the taping, stapling, all that worked, you know, and, uh, and was the beginning of what I was doing. Well, I used to tape and staple my high school uniform skirt, but, um, when the hem would fall out, but I don't think that's exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) My principal was never very happy with me when I came to school like that. Well, I remember my, um, I, I've, I discovered scissors and the only fabric that was available to me hung in my mother's closet. And I just didn't think she'd miss it if I just cut a little piece oh. out, you know. I got in big trouble for doing that. But I can remember as a little girl thinking, oh my gosh, if I just took a little piece out of this, you know. <laughs> I remember her standing in the hallway, you know, kind of hollering, Jenny, you know, with the 
crazy uh, <laughs> outfit that had just a little piece on it. Oh, that's great. I that's great. I mentioned on the picture thing, you know, I had a conversation with my mom. Now, my mom is an avid genealogist, and it's kind of like the cobbler whose children don't have shoes, you know, but I said to her, I said, Mom, you're 80. You need to take some time and write the names on all these pictures. You are our last fluent Swedish person in our family, and you're the only one who remembers all these. And uh, she looked at me and she said, Jenny, I'll do that when I'm old. And I was like, oh. Mom, you are old. You're 80. You need to do it. Well, it wasn't too long after that she had a stroke. And then oh. that, was, that was lost, you know. And so... Um, you know, I mean, she remembers some of them, but we have pictures now that have Ma written across the forehead and Pa written across the beard, you know, and I mean, it's just, uh, it's just heartbreaking because people always think they're going to have time and they really don't always have time. Absolutely. Well, I'm sorry to hear about her having the stroke. I That's, that's oh, really okay. hard. She's doing, she's yeah. doing well, but she doesn't have the memory right. she did. And there right. are some days she doesn't have the language. You know, it. Um, I mean, she didn't lose all her language, but some days she struggles getting her words out and things like that. And yeah. so, uh, but the memory is definitely affected by those kind of things. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I mean, talking about the cobbler, not, you know, the kids of the cobbler not having shoes. Yeah, I mean, I, it's the same thing with time. me. My, yeah. Right, exactly. And I, I was guilty of the same thing, because my parents both died within the past couple of years. And um, I did some interviews with my mom, but not very many. And I did none with my dad. And that's it. You know, that's you know, the, the stories that they had are gone now. On that same point, um, we do quilts of valor for servicemen. And somebody mm -hmm. said to me, well, your dad's the right age. Did he serve in the war? And I said, or was he a veteran? And I said, no, he wasn't a veteran. He just served in the Korean War. And they said, well, then he's a veteran. And I said, I said, I thought a veteran had to be somebody who was in it for, for life, that that was their career. And she's like, no, they just had to serve in a war. So they gave me a printout of questions to ask my dad. So I called him up. And I asked him all these questions. Do you know, I learned more about my dad in that 15 minutes than I had ever known about him. He'd never talked about his service in the Korean War to me. I mean, you know, why would you talk about that with your kids? But it just wasn't part of, of, what, of, of our daily lives and what he talked about. And I just felt so thrilled that because of these quilts for veterans, I learned so much about my dad, where he served and what he did. And, um, you know, and he was like, 17, 18 years old. And, you know, I mean, it was just so fascinating. And again, that comes because of a quilt. Mm, isn't that? Oh, I love how you made that connection. It just circled right back. Yeah, and and that's so true. I mean, they're there. If if people are not prompted, especially so is your dad in his early 80s, I'm guessing he's 87. 87. Okay. Yeah, that generation, um, you know, they, the the guys returning home from World War II, returning home from Korea, um, it changed a bit with Vietnam because everything was such a mess with that. But those guys in the earlier generation, they, you know, they wanted to come home and they wanted to just get back on, get back with their life, you right. know, get their life exactly. going. And and so many um, people that I hear from, they didn't know anything about their their elderly parents service record or service experiences until they started a life story or until uh, a high school grandchild or, or maybe a middle school grandchild yeah, they, was given the, the, the assignment. Exactly. And I think that's wonderful that schools are doing that because it's all about connecting the generations and having understanding. And so, yeah, like with, with me, with my dad, he was the kind that um, he died when he was eight, uh, 79, but he was the kind that had 
fantastic stories. He told stories really well, but I don't think he ever told a single story twice. (laughs) You know, he, which he was a little bit unusual in that way. But so, you know, I have memories of some of these stories and I have written some of them down, but most of them, you know, they weren't something that we heard over and over again. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So I didn't realize that you have Swedish heritage. I do. Can you tell us, do you know anything about um, if, if uh, and the reason I'm asking this question is about um, immigrants and quilting. One of my current clients right now, his uh, he's in his upper 80s. His mother died at 100. Um, she and her husband both were part of the um, the Mennonites who came from Russia and settled in Kansas. Oh, so they were farmers. Oh, it's very interesting. Yeah. And, and they were farmers. And then when they retired and they moved to the tiny little town in their community, she... Uh, Um, I assume she probably had quilted before that. But in that time, after they left the farm until she died at 100, she made over 200 quilts. And like you said, right, like you said, they were for family. Um, You know, they had all kinds of kids and grandkids and great grandkids. Um, But I'm wondering, are when you look at quilts at old quilts, um, can you see can you recognize different immigrant groups? Are there, you know, do the Swedish have different patterns? I no. think I okay. think uh, I think I've never noticed that. I think that uh, there probably are different types of quilts. It's not something I've come in contact with. I know quilting is largely considered um, an American, tr- you know, tradition, and so oh, okay. I think they used to do the. You know, so I know there's like a Swedish blanket that is like a lot of. They would weave a lot of things and that sort of thing. But yeah, I'm sure they. I mean, they had to have made them. I just I'm just not familiar with it at all. But my, right. my grandma's sisters were uh, seamstresses, and they actually came from Sweden to New York and worked for the painter named George Innes. And he was uh, he had a big estate in New York, and they worked for him. They came in the 1890 or, or late 1800s. I don't actually know the year. And, uh, and they worked for him uh, for years and saved enough money to bring the rest of the family over. Oh, and, wow. um, and so there were uh, still, I think, um, you know, a, ha- a handful of children at home. And there were three or four of these daughters who were already left. And so they actually bought a little farm in upstate New York. And our, the family in Sweden had lived in an apartment building, which I have actually gone back and see, you know, in, in Europe, all those old buildings are still there. And so we were able to see that. And they felt so fortunate to be able to come to America and have land. The real story comes in, though, in that they, the mother bought tickets for the Titanic. And, um, and they took a little barge to England to ride the Titanic to America. And when they got ready to board the boat, they didn't have enough um, passage. And of course, my ancestors were all, were all in the steerage. They were in the bottom. And the lady said to him, well, we've oversold our tickets. And so we don't have enough to take your family. So why don't you just send the boys on ahead and let them have the adventure? And the mom said, half my family is already in America. I'm not splitting up the rest. We'll ride this other boat called the Cedric to America. And so, um, so I mean, they had, and they have good documentation on this. So it was kind of a cool thing. So they rode that little, that smaller boat that left from England. And, uh, and of course they made it, you know, so that was kind of interesting um, to me that um, that was, you know, that was part of their big journey. Oh, you just gave me chills. Yeah. Isn't that, okay. isn't that interesting? Uh, 
It's very interesting. All right. I have to ask, since you obviously have, um, you know, you care for for quilting today, you care for these old quilts that people bring into you, um, the stories that you're collecting for other people, have you started collecting them for yourself? Have you done any kind of uh, family history or life story for for the what I don't even know what your maiden name is. Oh. I'm guessing it's something with son at the end. <laughs> it actually, my, my that was my mother who was that. So my maiden name is oh. Fish, and uh, like swimming in the water, Fish. And then my mother's name was Nystrom, okay, and Olson. And so those were her Swedish names that went on from there. Um, I haven't done too much, but I want to tell you what my mother did because this hugely helps us. My mother took a jar and she filled the jar with writing prompts, and so. Um, what we try to do, you know, every so often, we try to do it regularly. It never kind of works out that way. But um, we'll just pull a little slip of paper out of this jar. It's so much less overwhelming than sitting down to write your history. So it will say, like on the writing prompt, it'll say, what did you wear on your first day of school? And it's like, oh, well, I, you know, and you write this little thing about it. And then when you get all these different little things assembled, it makes this, this cool story of your life. But the writing prompts in that little jar hugely helped us. And I still have that little jar on my shelf and we still periodically do it. Now we should, we should really for real get to, you know, get to doing it because I'm just about at the same place my mom is where it's like, um, you are getting older. You do need to do this, you know. The other thing I do is with every, we have a magazine um, that has quilts in it. And uh, and there are 10 quilts in there. And for every quilt, I write a story about either my children, um, my parents, or my childhood. I write a story about, there and, about them. And so I said to the kids one day, are you guys reading these stories? Because I'm writing your history. So we have 14 volumes of this magazine. And in every one, there's 10 stories about what my children's, what, you know, something that happened with the kids, you know, something that, um, you know, I mean, just something that I thought was entertaining or something around us, the season that we're talking about, or I, I describe our family Christmases or, you know, something like that. And so I feel like I have that and that's really cool. Um, but, well, you have a lot more than most people then, if, because I this is a magazine do. that goes, yeah, this is not just something inside your family. This is something that's going out to subscribers. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a wonderful idea. And how forward thinking of your mother to have a little writing jar prompt, a uh, so, little writing prompt jar. So my mom actually had painted on her kitchen wall a genealogy chart. And, mm -hmm. um, and she, she would fill in the names, but for every person on that chart, um, whosever birthday it was, like if it was May 3rd and it was, you know, um, Joseph B. Long's birthday, we had cake. My, <laughs> mother, my mother, we had, I mean, you know, and I remember my husband when we were dating, he came over and he's like, well, whose birthday is it? And I said, oh, it's some guy on the walls. <laughs> he's like, what are you talking about? But she was like, you know, they were big bakers. They were both Swedish. She and my, my grandma and... I mean, cake, we had to have cake and, and uh, we celebrated every birthday on that wall, which I think has really made it really fun for me as a child. It, yeah, it kind of reminds me of, you know, the Chinese tradition of honoring the, el you know, the, the, um, the elders that have come before you. But um, what a boon that it's, it involves cake. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, 
Well, I I think this is um I, I think I need to talk to your mom next, apparently, because <laughs> she sounds like she um she really has gotten bitten by the bug. Well, now, where did where did that interest come, do you think, in genealogy? And do you share that interest? I do share that interest, but I'm a little busy. So I used to be really into genealogy and I traveled all around doing genealogy and I had a friend um who was very active in it and we we would just we would do other people's research, whatever we could get our hands on, you know, and, um, and we did a lot of that. And then when I got into quilting, you know, that kind of took a back seat uh, to what I'm doing. And every once in a while, like, like I was up um, giving a, a trunk show and a girl came up on stage and she said, um, I connect with you through this line. And I, I'm like, oh, really? We have nothing on that. I said, send me your, 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 you know, your pedigree chart. And so, you know, I'll get this pedigree chart in the mail that gives me a new link, but it's, it, that's been really interesting um, how it's tied to the quilting, but I, I haven't actually, I haven't actually done as much as, you know, lately as, as I probably, well, I'm just busy. I'm just crazy busy. So, right, right. Well, and I these, have these videos, I have a granddaughter yeah. who has the bug, you know, there's generally one every generation, I think that at least one that, that, uh, that is interested in what you're doing. I agree. Yeah. And for, for my family, it actually happens to be my brother-in-law. So he's, you know, he's, he's doing lots of research on people that he's not blood related to, but thank goodness, because my sister and I, neither one of us have done it. Although we did do the ancestry DNA. Have you done that? Oh because gosh, then you yes. can really find some cousins that you've never heard of before. So my husband's, and, and, and this is that same thing. So my mother always gave me dead ends to work on. So I never felt successful. So when I got married, I thought, well, I'll do my husband's genealogy and his, you know, I went to his dad and I said, I said, so Jack, what can you tell me about your father? And he, and I said, let's start with his name. And he said, oh gosh, we always called him Pa. And I was like, seriously, you don't know your dad's name? He's like, well, I left when I was like, 15 and I lied about my age to get in the military. And I said, all right, then let's start with you, Jack. And he says, well, I know my name ain't Jack. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? And so I had this whole big, you know, this whole big thing that was like, nobody had done this genealogy on this family. And so that's been really interesting. Now come to find out there is a Doan family association and um, the Doan in the national, they've asked all the Doan men to get their DNA tested because the American Doan DNA doesn't match the English Doan DNA. And so they're like, they're saying things like, well, we don't know who we are, but we're good people by golly, you know? And so they've asked all the Doan men. Well, when Ron got his, uh, his DNA done, um, he was part sweet, part Scandinavian. And I was just shocked because none of his people go there. They all go to England. And so, um, you know, and it's not much, I think it's like 18% or something like that, but I was so tickled about that. And so then I'm like, well, I have to get mine done, you know, cause I should be a full 50%. And, um, and I was only 30% and I was just so, so like, <laughs> what, you know, crushing. and, and now they've, now they've redone it, you know, cause they do updates every so often. If you, if you go in there, it'll say update available and they, cause they have more people who have tested. And so it, it, uh, does your, your results change. And so now I, we've had more people have been tested. So now I'm 59%. So I'm okay with that, you know, because I'm at least, I'm at, I'm at least <laughs> as much Swedish as I thought I should be. I, I didn't know it worked like that. Oh, I didn't the know DNA. that they could change the percentages oh, on you. Gosh, the DNA is just fascinating. So my children, it's really interesting because it all says we gave one to all of our kids and we have seven. 
And uh, I gave one to all the children. And um, and so when it came back, it comes back. This is your mother. This is your father. But I have one child who is 60% French and German. She got all that DNA. I have two that are over 50% British and one that is 47% Scandinavian. And so it's fun to watch that. I guess uh, we know who the favorite is now, huh? <laughs> as, well, and, and my daughter's also right. Who's winning the Swedish race? And I'm like, Josh. And they're like, Josh, you know. But if ever there was a true Viking, it's my Josh. You know, he's got the long red beard and the, I mean, he just looks like a Viking. And so, uh, so he's pretty excited that he's, he's the most Swedish of the kids. so far. <laughs> Well, and what I've heard is that now with all of the, the um, DNA, you know, they're, they're actually able to track migration patterns oh, from, you know, generate or what I don't know how how you far know, back it goes, but long time ago. So your your Josh might be one of the Vikings that apparently they now know that the Vikings. I might have this messed up, but I think they on their way to conquer Iceland. I guess they stopped by um, um, Ireland and picked up women. Or I, I'm not sure if I have the 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 direction well, right but apparently they that's the women that they took so here's how i say it the irish and the vikings shared their love with everyone <laughs> that's the nicest way to put that <laughs> yeah exactly so everybody's a little irish and everybody's a little scandinavian you know because uh, oh. they you know they were just shared their love all over the place okay so do any of your kids um are they into quilting um all of my children quilt actually um oh. i probably I probably don't have any that love it as much as I do. All my boys have made a quilt. All my girls have made a quilts. Um, and, you know, well, except for my older boy, he hasn't. But uh, the ones who are here have all made uh, quilts and they're all involved in the business. And uh, But I don't think any of them really uh, are driven to do it like I am. You know, so that's that's kind of interesting. I take it that you're the kind of person who probably doesn't um, chill out and relax a whole bunch. No, I, no, you you I, seem like a doer to me. I'm really a doer and uh, and a and a worker and a taskmaster. You know, I'm just uh, all those I'm all those things. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I've never made a quilt myself. Um, we did have a family quilt for my grandparents. I think it was their 50th or 60, 60th anniversary. Um, and everybody in the family was, everybody made a square. Um, oh, that's nice. And right, it was very nice. Although, you know, I don't think my dad took it very seriously because <laughs> he and my grandma had a funny teasing relationship. They were always kind of at each other, but in a very loving teasing way. Um, so he decided to memorialize his his square with a a, a very bad drawing of his own face. Oh, dear. <laughs> Yeah, that's just mean. <laughs> and yeah, and, and he made sure that it got kind of right in the middle of the quilt. And it's like so, going to be there forever. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Those things, you know, things that are going to be around forever. You got to You got to think about that. If the joke is worth it. Right. That's right. Right. Th that's a good point. <laughs> if generations from now, somebody's going to get that, you know. <laughs> right. Well, Jenny, this has been very fun talking to you. Um, I, before we before we stop, I, I do have just one more question for you. So like, uh, I know that there's types of patterns and I've watched some of your videos. So I know like the Dresden is one that you really like. Um, if, if somebody's out there helping a family record their stories and they see um, a quilt, like what are some things that we should 
look for as far as patterns go or like aren't there wedding knot quilts? I, I don't know if I have that straight there, or not. There are different quilts that people make for different things. Like there is a wedding ring quilt. People ask me all the time, is there any easy way to do that? No, I haven't found it yet. Huh. Uh, it's possible I could find it someday, but I haven't found it yet. So there are things like that, but I don't think anything is, um, you know, is just set in stone. People people made patterns they were interested in just like now. And, and if you, you know, if you make a a quilt for each one of your children, they're probably all going to be different. And so it's, it's just one of those things I think where, um, I mean, you can tell the time period by the fabric, but as far as, you know, as, I mean, as far as certain things for, for certain events, I I don't, I don't think that holds very true. You know, there's the big story about the, the, um, the civil war quilts, you know, how they, uh, the, um, what, underground railroad quilts and things like that. Uh-huh. And I think I want that to be true. Um, I've heard uh, arguments on both sides, you know, that people made quilts to help the slaves, uh, you know, to show them the way to go. Uh, I want that to be true, but I've heard arguments on both sides. And, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> we, I mean, I guess we'll never know because we're not really there, but, um, you know, it's one of those things where it's highly unlikely that, uh, that those quilts would have been hanging in the middle of the night and that somebody could have actually seen them while they were fleeing from somewhere. You know, I just. Right. Oh, I want it to be true too. too. (laughs) I'm with you. So, but I guess we know and we can believe what we want, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. If, um, if people want to get a hold of you or if they want to see your videos, or I think you also do retreats to your, um, to to the company. Is that right? We do. So we're Missouri Star Quilt Company and we do a retreat every single week of the year. And uh, on our on our um, page, we have a website, um, www.missouriquiltco.com. And there are, uh, there's an event button there where you can see the, uh, the different retreats and events that we're doing. Um, one of the things that we're doing now is called Jenny on the Road. And um, we bring an event to your town. So you can go on there and look and see if any of those events are close enough for you. That's a really fun show to get in and see. Uh, but um, yeah, we do. We do. We're just involved in all kinds of things. We're right here in Hamilton, Missouri, right in the middle of the U.S., uh, an hour north of Kansas City. And our whole town is dedicated to quilting. So we have uh, 13 shops. They're all fabric specific. And so we have a solid shop and a children's shop and a boutique shop and a Christmas shop, you know, <laughs> and they're all de- you know, um, designated to that type of quilting. And so we've become a destination for lots of quilters uh, to come to the Midwest and visit us. Well, I already have a plan for two of my high school friends and I. They don't know it yet. <laughs> They're in St. Louis. I'm in Kansas City. Oh, that's but perfect. I already have a plan. To, it is. It is have for a, a girls trip. Have you been up? Not yet. Oh, my God. No, not yet. You'll have to come up. And when when you come up, uh, remind me. Remind me. You know, come and find me and uh, remind me how, how we know. Each other. I'll do that. That'd be all. Okay. Well, thank you. And I'll the the things that you just mentioned, I'll put links to them. Um, and I'm going to put a link to a video where you describe how 
the whole business came into being because, boy, that's a fascinating story in and of itself. So, well, and, and, and just what it's done for the town. Oh, absolutely. And that does it for and our with the other part of that the is I do do quilt online company. tutorials that are I'm wondering free if any of you out there have worked with clients who um, want to memorialize Google a quilt. Or, you know, so if they want to incorporate it into their life story project. And everything um, I do I've had artifacts is, that people have wanted to put in their books. So images that I've had to capture. And as a matter of fact, just this past week, I'm working with client and we finished his book and we are now ready um, for the production phase and he wanted to include some images of a painting that his father made and a a camera that his mother won and she used it to photograph a family trip to California back in the early 1920s. So they drove all the way from Kansas. It's a very special piece of equipment for him and for his family and the painting as well. And so I got a good shot of the camera but I actually had to do a little bit of research on how to best shoot the painting, um, especially because I wanted to avoid what's called the parallax effect, right? It's where if you don't take an image of the painting just absolutely dead on straight, you're going to get this weird skewed um, illusion. So there were also some issues with lighting that I had to learn about, but I've never had to take a photo of a quilt and, you know, quilts are large objects. So if any of you have dealt with this, um, let us know how you've done it. I'm sure it would help me and the rest of us because at some point um, coming across a family quilt is probably a, we probably have a pretty high probability of that. So if you have some advice to share, head over to the lifestorycoach.com and look for episode 39 and give us your story in the comments section. Also, if you want to find links to all the things that Jenny mentioned, see the show notes for episode 39. Again, that's at the lifestorycoach.com. As always, I hope that you've learned some things that you can take back to help you with your own business. Thanks for listening. And until next time, go out and save someone's story.